The reading is chapter 16 of the book of Revelation and can be found on page 1930 of the Bible. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go, pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl, beast, and land, and ugly and painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead man, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in these judgments, you who are and who were, the Holy One, because you have so judged. For they have shed the blood of your saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserved. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was given power to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God, who had control over these plagues. But they refused to repent and glorify him. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. Men gnawed their tongues in agony and cursed the God of heaven because of their pains and of their sores, but they refused to repent of what they had done. And it's water. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the way for the kings from the east. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. They are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God, God Almighty. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is he who stays awake and keeps his clothes with him, so that he may not go naked and be shamefully exposed. Then they gathered the kings together to the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. The seventh angel pulled out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightnings, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away and the mountain pounds could be found. From the sky, huge hailstones of about a hundred pounds each fell upon men. And they cursed God on account of the plague of hail because the plague was so terrible. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everybody. 
going to get myself uh, just very quickly set up. Now, you might be wondering, why has Richard got his mobile phone out here? And that's because I want to try and keep it to about 20 minutes. Uh, but when I first uh, started writing this, um, I actually wrote 13 sides on this one chapter. 13 sides. I spent twice as long almost editing it as I have actually writing it the first time. I just got so much out of it. So let's just pray at the beginning to see if I can do it within the 20 minutes. Let's just pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for scripture. I want to thank you uh, for your son and that we have life in him. And um, Lord, I just, Lord, would you this evening, uh, we would all be blessed by what you have to say. Uh, Lord, would your spirit just emanate through everything that is done in this place this evening. And may we bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So yes, so we're going to turn to the seven balls of God's wrath. Now that is some title, isn't it? And uh, we have heard some really dramatic and vivid and in one sense scary uh, words within and held within this chapter. Um, and so tonight we're going to try and do justice with it. And our first reaction is to ask the question, so what is going on here? What's it saying? Well, so far we have had uh, quite a few sevens. We've had um, seven lampstands. We've had seven churches. Uh, we've had seven seals. We've had seven trumpets. And now we come to seven bowls. Now there's seven angels with seven bowls, and within the seven bowls is seven plagues. And I believe that there are two things that are going on at the same time within this chapter, but there's also a theme that is the glue that holds it all together. And the theme that holds it together as we humanize this chapter is that we get this sense of um, humanity's, humanity's complete rebellion against God. It's actually come to a complete place, and it is complete rebellion. It is so complete that if we read from verse 2, it says, The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. So rebellion has come so far that people have taken upon themselves Satan's ownership, the mark of the beast. And not only that, but they're actually worshipping his image. If that's not rebellion against God, I don't know what is. It's come to this point of complete rebellion. And even though this has happened, God still gives grace. And it's really important that we still see the grace that is within this chapter. And the grace is time. God gives them time. He gives them time to do two really important things, to repent and to turn to God. If you hear after um, all of these plagues, there's time and time and time for people to repent, people and to turn back. But unfortunately, we hear three times that the people refuse to repent and curse God. They know it's God who is doing this. But instead of repenting and turning to him and asking for forgiveness, 
Instead, they carry on in their ways and they refuse to glorify him. Instead, they curse him. As I said, um, so we need to hold together that humanity's total and complete rebellion against God is the glue that holds this chapter together. And we need to keep this in our minds so that we don't get a distorted view of who God is when we read about these plagues. It's really important to remember that God is gloriously good. And as we read things like this, it could twist our thinking to something else. And that is really dangerous. We must always remember that God is gloriously good. So we're going to keep in mind that we're looking at humanity's total and complete rebellion against God as we look at these two separate things that are happening together. So the first one is the seven bowls. And if you notice, each bowl is put on creation. There's the land, there's the sea, there's the rivers and the streams, that's water, um, there's, um, there's the sun, there's the dominion of darkness, the beast and his kingdom, and there's the river Euphrates, and there's the air. And so it really hit me when I was thinking about this. It hit me that in Genesis, in the first book of the Bible, in the first chapter of the Bible, God creates. And when he creates, he says, it is good. And then when he creates man as the uh, humanity, men and women, as the jewel of his crown, as the pinnacle of creation, he says, and this is very good. Yet what we're now looking at is a place where humanity isn't very good anymore because it's not glorifying God. It reminds me very much of Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 where we have the account of Noah and his flood And um, this is what verse 5 says. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And you might be thinking to yourself, why is Richard bothered about the flood? Well, there's one thing that kept coming into my mind, and that was a statement that Jesus made. When he talked about the end times, he said, the days of Noah, he used this phrase in chapter And I really believe that in the days of Noah, we're seeing something that we're seeing here in chapter 16. We're seeing in in Noah's day a complete rejection of God and rebellion against him. So that every inclination of the human human heart and mind was against God. And here, I believe we're seeing something very similar. Taking the ownership of the beast upon them whether that's an actual physical thing or whether that's just the position of their hearts, and worshipping the beast, the Satan's image. It's, ex- it's very similar kinds of things that I believe is going on. And so here, um, with Noah, what did Noah decide to do? Well, he decided um, to do 
a flood. God decided to have a flood so that he could cleanse the earth, so that it could be fit for the purpose that he wanted creation to have, which is to glorify God. And here, within these seven plagues, I believe that God is doing the exact opposite of Genesis chapter 1. I feel like he's wrapping up creation. Some of the final verses talk about the mountains that they couldn't see any longer. The islands no longer in place. They, they flee away is the, is the words that it's used. It's like creation is being wrapped up. It's being wrapped up so it can be cleaned up, so that it can be restored and made as it should have been intended to glorify God. Because at this point in time, in Revelation chapter 16, there is no glorifying of God. So I've got a little story for you, just to kind of illustrate the point. And that is on Friday, myself and Kim and Anne and Tim Marsden, we cleaned the church's barbecue. So we got it out and it was absolutely filthy. It was absolutely, wasn't it? It was filthy. As we, as we got it out there, our hands were full of grease. You know, there was ash in the bottom. And the only thing for it was to dismantle the barbecue. We took it apart bit by bit, component by component, so we could fully clean it. And then when it was fully cleansed, fully cleaned, we then put it back together so that it could be used for the purpose it was designed for, which is to cook on it for human consumption. Because I would not want it to have cooked on it for human consumption before we cleaned it. That's what it was designed for, but we had to clean it. And I really feel that this is what's going on. God is stripping creation away so he can get rid of all evil, all rebellion, so that he can put it back together so we can do the purpose it was made to do, which is to glorify him. And then there's a second thing that I believe is happening. So if we look at verse 7, chapter 16, verse 7, we've just had this angel who's in charge of the waters, and he declares that God's judgments are good, and we must hold on to that. God's judgments are good. They're just. They're right. And then we hear these words, chapter, uh, verse 7, and I heard the altar respond, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Now, it seems weird to me that an altar would speak. So it got me thinking, you know, is a Narnia thing happening here, you know, where there's like things that shouldn't speak, like animals and stuff, and they suddenly start speaking. What is actually happening? And it reminded me, if you can turn, please, to Revelation chapter 6. It reminded me of this, Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9. So here we're going back a few stages. We've come to the, uh, the scroll with the seven seals. And it says from verse 9, when, the, when he opened, that's Jesus, when Jesus Christ opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, 
until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. So that's what the martyrs, Christians, people who have hold fast to God and have died and are in heaven under the altar are crying out to God. And I believe, and that's why I've entitled it Vengeance is Mine, this section, I believe what we're seeing here is God doing something about their cries. He's doing something about it. Because they say, and I believe that they, what they hear is the voices under the altar, they say, yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. True and just are on your judgments. Because if these people have aligned themselves with Satan by putting on his mark of ownership, by worshipping the beast, that means they're the enemy of God's people. And it doesn't, for me, my mind, it's not a stretch to go and think that they would have done horrible things to some of God's people. And here God is doing something about it. He's heard their cries. He's doing something about it. And he is also, if you remember in Exodus, God had 10 plagues that he put on Egypt. And what was the, the reason why he did that? The reason for those plagues were to, yes, set his people free, but also to lead those people into repentance, to show who he was, that he is God, that he is powerful, that he is the only God, and to lead those people to a place of abandoning what they were worshipping and going for God. So I feel that there's these two things, that he is avenging what is going on, because these are his children that have died. And he's also giving these other people, the people who have done awful things, he's also giving them the opportunity to repent. So the bit that I get excited about when I read the Bible is how then does it affect our lives? So how do we read Revelation chapter 16 and see our blessing? So I want us to just focus on one, what seems like a random verse, and it's verse 15. And I believe this is the glorified Jesus speaking because it's his revelation. It's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he says these words. In my Bible, it says, look, but I always love behold. So let's use that. Behold, I come like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and be shamefully exposed. The first thing for us to remember as Christians in Southbourne in 2019 is that Christ will return, and he'll return when we don't expect it, like a thief in the night. And so he extols us, Christ extols us, to be ready and awake. And I feel that these people who have the mark of the beast and worshipped his image have fallen asleep to Christ. They've fallen asleep. But Christ says to us that we should stay awake. And because of what they're worshipping, these who have the mark of the beast and worshipping its image, they are naked in the eyes of God. 
They're not clothed in Christ. They're naked. They're shamefully exposed. All of the human heart and the evil desires are being expressed through these people. Because how else could it not when they have partnered themselves with the prince of darkness? But we're to remain clothed and to not be shamefully exposed. So what does that mean? Well, there is a blessing in staying awake. That's why we've got an alarm clock. There's a blessing in staying awake. And the first one is that I've already said that I think there's a massive hint that there's a lot of parallels with Noah going on here. And that is we are all Noahs. That doesn't mean we have to go out and make a boat. (laughs) Some of us, that might be great because it's practical, but it doesn't mean that. In 2 Peter 2 verse 5, Peter calls Noah the preacher of righteousness. That's how he describes him. He doesn't describe him as a boat builder. He says that he's a preacher of righteousness. And brothers and sisters, we are preachers of righteousness. It doesn't matter what you think of this world. It doesn't matter if the undercurrents of chapter 16 are, have always happened, like I believe. Rebellion against God has always happened since the beginning of creation. So that means it's, all, it's happening now, and it will come to a pinnacle at some point in the future. That's what I believe that chapter 16 is saying. But as we sit in this time, and as we sit today, we need to remember that we're called to be preachers of righteousness. We're called to tell people that God's judgment is coming. And we're also there to share with them, just like Noah shared that judgment was coming, we're also there to share with them, but we know God's salvation plan. You can be saved through Jesus Christ. Just as Noah would have preached, you can be saved by getting on the ark. Do you see the parallel? We're supposed to be preachers of righteousness. And that means, and I don't know about you, but that becomes really challenging to me. Because I'm really good at making friends with people. I'm really good at inviting people to church things, um, events and things like that. I'm really, really good at even saying to people, why don't you come to church if you've ever tried it? but I'm really bad at telling people the gospel. I can't remember when I last told somebody the actual gospel. I wonder, can you? Can you remember the last time you actually told somebody the gospel? Because the power of Christ is the gospel of Christ, isn't it? So we need to gain as people who believe in Jesus, we need to gain confidence in actually explaining the gospel so we can do that intentionally to the people that we meet. Whether it's our friends, whether it's our families, whether it's our co-workers, whether it's our neighbors, whether it's our employees or employers, whoever it is, we need to tell people the gospel. And I find that really challenging. But I also know That's what God wants me to do. So, I wonder if we can take just five minutes, I'm going to give us five minutes, to practice telling one another what the gospel is. So I wonder if we can get in twos and threes. I'm literally going to give you five minutes to say as succinctly as you can to one another 
what the gospel is. Because this place is supposed to be practice for outside, isn't it? Let's do it. Five minutes. Let's go. It starts now.